Hey, folks. So today I have a really special guest with me. Um, you might have seen her on um, Ukador Origins campaign as Rowan. You might also be familiar with some of the beautiful D&D photography that um, she takes. And today my friend is Bree. So Bree, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. How are you today? Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate the compliment. Um, I'm doing really well. How about you? You know, I can't complain. It's, uh, it's you know, with everything going on right now, everything, I'm grateful to just be alive, and I'm grateful for all the things I have. Um, so, yeah, can't complain. Absolutely relate. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know, folks, um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, um, some cool things how Bree and I actually met. Beautiful thing about social media is that it connects everyone from, like, every part of the world, and we actually met through the D&D Coalition through our friend Cameron. And we, you know, we've talked and support each other through our posts and, and, and things of that nature. But um, we really started to kind of hang out a little bit more during Virtual Gary Con. So if you attended the Virtual Gary Con, uh, Jason from Critical Dice uh, had this really cool uh, meat grinder type um, one shot. And her and I were both part of this one shot. So it was actually, that's where we kind of uh, solidified a little bit more of our friendship. So I was like, wait, you know what? You got to come on the podcast and talk and hang out uh, with with us here. So again, I appreciate it. But yeah, that's how we met. Um, but and I th- but something that I know that we talked about before in the, before we started playing the one shot about how we started playing D&D. So for the folks out there that obviously they weren't privy to that, when did you start playing Dungeons and Dragons? Well, I started playing um, right at the tail end of fourth edition. So it was about five and a half years ago, a little bit longer than that now. Nice. Mm-hmm. And it's a. Oh, I was going to oh, go for it. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I'll say, um, I will admit the first two or so years were not consistent. So I don't know anything about fourth edition. Um, <laughs> no, and. You're- yeah. I forget so like, uh, fourth edition. Not gonna lie, I forget <laughs> it. So you're, it's okay. And it's funny that you mentioned that because um, a lot of folks that listen to the podcast, you know, we got different ranges of fifth edition and fourth edition. We got people who've been playing since, you know, the red box, the you know, the the hallowed red box, as I say. Um, is was D and D your first introduction to tabletop gaming, or did you play? Um, other forms of RPGs or tabletop games, you know, whether it's virtual or or not. Um, did you play other types of games? Um, RPGs, yes. Tabletop, no. So D&D was really the first kind of introductory game okay. for me. Well, what, if you don't mind me asking, what was the RPG games that you played beforehand? Oh. Well, RPG games, entirely video games. I consider awesome. those RPGs. So. Oh, for sure. I Yeah, no, 100%. Like, you know, I think even, and again, I'm, um, you know, not to assume anything about RPGs and video games, but I totally think like World of Warcraft. I think that's that's obviously it's an MMORPG, but that's totally fine. It doesn't whether it's virtual or not. I think the fact that you're role playing doesn't matter what type of game it is. It's still an RPG. Um, did you play WoW or did you play other games? I did play WoW, actually. Kind of funny, my entire family was super invested into WoW. Um, Even my parents. Explain a little bit more, because that actually sounds really awesome. Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Although there's a bit of a family divide. Um, I was definitely Alliance all the way, and my parents were Horde. So it's kind of like, as soon as I started my Alliance character, my dad was pretty much saying, who are you? I don't know who you are anymore. You're not in this family. (laughs) Jokingly. Well... Yeah, I, I can see that I have a I, I have a buddy of mine where, you know, we're like brothers. And he when he had his his when he made his character for the Horde, I was like, despicable. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So we 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 equally love Alliance and Horde, but Alliance is way better. Just saying. Agree just saying. <laughs> but, OK, so that's cool, though. So how long did so y'all played WoW and whatnot? Um we're, and you said it was a family thing. Did you all play for a long time and then you got into D&D and kind of left WoW? Or did you do both at the same time? Because I know that WoW is a huge dedication of time. It is, definitely. 
Um, I will say I was definitely more casual than my parents yeah. were, and they haven't. They also haven't played for a few years. It's been several years since I've played. Um, I think the last expansion I remember really getting into was. Um, oh goodness, I feel terrible saying this, but I think it was back in Burning Crusade was the last okay. time I actually like, super played through. Yeah. Um, my parents kind of stopped around the time I do not remember timeline where this fell when they kind of revamped the PvP system. So my mom's really into the PvP. She was one of the last uh, high warlords for, um, I think Ooh. it was called the Sargeras server. I can't remember which server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarg yep, I remember that one. I, I so, when I play, I still play on that server. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny though that that you know that's really cool that you have that extensive history like with gaming and your family. Like I, you know, again, you know, we were talking, y'all. Um, before the show, and we we're talking a little bit, you know, kind of culturally here in the South, gaming has been, it's been different. You know, we live here in, you know, in the Carolinas, or at least, you know, me and, you know, some folks here live in the Carolinas, part of the Bearded Nerd crew. And we noticed that everyone's story into gaming was similar, where, okay, you got into D&D, &D, but it was very secretive because there was the satanic panic. And a lot of people in the South were criticizing tabletop gaming. And although the nuances of like, you know, Lord of the Rings and, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, the, the, you know, they didn't bridge together that, wait a minute, that's kind of in the same uh, genre, so to speak. So um, from your background and area, it seems like your family was really cool with gaming and whatnot. Um, did you, you know, did you grow up in an, in, in an environment where you were allowed to kind of express yourself through that type of gaming, you know, facilities? Or what, was it more of a, hey, you know what, I just do this with my friends and go from there? Well, I've been really fortunate. My parents have always been incredibly supportive of any type of creative outlet that I've wanted to pursue. I actually have to blame my mom almost exclusively for my nerd interests, I would say. Um, one of the first video games I ever played was uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I played that with her specifically. We had a save file we played through together. I was like in the, oh gosh, I think I was in the second grade when I started playing through that. And I'm a long-term Zelda fan because of that and just kind of segued into everything nerdy that I enjoy video game tabletop wise so speaking about that you you know have you has your campaign or your characters anything that you've played in D&D has your you know love of you know the Zelda franchise influenced your D&D or have you kind of tried to keep them both separate I have very intentionally tried to keep them separate um mm -hmm. mainly because uh the people I play with I've been really lucky there are existing friend groups that I've had oh, no nice. I'm obsessed with Zelda, everything Zelda. So I try to keep it separate and be like, I'm not going to do that because I have a feeling they're waiting for me to do that. Although I, I will, I will uh, want to mention uh, my first dungeon master, and he's a long-term dungeon master for my group. Um, he actually, for a Christmas present for me, did a Majora's Mask one shot. So. Oh, that's it, so well, dope. Yeah, it was See, awesome. See, those are the type of DMs that you just really, really, you know. <laughs> those are the real MVPs right there. Just not just gonna say, put it out there, y'all. If you do things like that for your players, we really love y'all. So just saying. But <laughs> um, <laughs> with so going through, you know, gaming and whatnot, and and going from the tail end of um, fourth edition into fifth edition, um, one thing that I've always talked to guests and to other people is, you know, what is your favorite part of D&D, &D, and, you know, specifically 5th edition. Um, I mention that because each edition either had really heavy combat, really heavy role-playing, and I feel that 5th edition has had a balance between the both, but that's just me. What mm -hmm. do you think about Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition right now? What is your favorite part about it? Oh, goodness. And, of course, I have to say, because my history with 4th is so limited, and I genuinely don't remember the mechanics of mm -hmm. it, and of course, anything earlier than that, I can't speak to. I feel like it's very balanced uh, in fifth edition combat and um, or at least, you know, RP options, class options that are a bit more flavorful rather than necessarily power gamey in combat all the yeah. time. So, I, I mean, 
I really enjoy it personally, but I do have a limited perspective because of my lack of experience in the other editions. Well, and, and you know, at the end of the day, like for for folks out there listening who just started playing fifth edition, even if you've played a week ago, like honestly, you have, you know, X amount of years worth of experience playing games or even just, you know, of life experience that I personally think like it doesn't matter if you didn't play fourth edition or whatever. You know, you, you play D&D, you definitely, you automatically have, like, this say in the game. And I think that's the beauty of our hobby is that when you start playing, you automatically have a say in, in, in which, like, you are able to say, you know what, I like this part about D&D, I don't like this part about D&D. I mean, personally, I think it's a very well-balanced addition. Um, there's certain things that, I believe certain folks in like the Warhammer community, you know, they have a hard time wrapping around, and this is just from friends that I've spoken to, but they have a hard time wrapping around the lack of combat, which is kind of different. It's weird saying that because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like combat in D&D takes forever. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you on that sometimes. Like, you might, like, I think half the reason why people bring snacks to D&D is because you need to eat something while you're, like, stressing out over combat. And you need, to, <laughs> you need to have something to do while you're in the middle of combat. Because, I mean, 10 rounds of, you know, or, you know, ten, I think it's a minute, which is 10 rounds of combat, lasts, like, two, three hours, you know, sometimes. So, it, I, I think that there's, you know, there's some people who are going to be biased, right? There's some people that are going to say, well, from a role playing perspective, I want more, which I don't know if you I don't know if you uh, what you think about that. But what do you think about the role playing abilities from Dungeons and Dragons? Do you think it's enough? Do you think um, do you think it's limiting? Personally, and I do think that it also might depend on your group, your campaign, your dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experiences so far with my groups have been. I feel like it's fairly balanced. I don't feel like I'm limited all the time when it comes to RP options. Uh, granted, I do also have to thank my dungeon masters for that because it's not always uh, specifically like published content that we're going with campaign-wise. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of home aspects that I've experienced as well. And, and and it's interesting you say that too because I think the dungeon master and the players working side by side really helps. So, like, when you are a player for, you know, and again, you know, let's say you want to really, really get into RP, right? Mm-hmm. And your dungeon master kind of meets you at that level. You can make a fantastic moment and experience in, 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 your, in that game. Um, I think that if you have the opposite, it's really hard for that role player to say, hey, I can't really get in, you know, I, I, can, I can't get into my game because... I'm not being allowed to express myself through role play. Um, so I, I think really, and you nailed it, it's it's that having that dungeon master there who can really take the time and take the initiative to role play alongside you as a character. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, what's your, so one thing I've always, you know, I, I always like to ask guests on the podcast is obviously like, we all have that typical like race class that we like to play, <laughs> but I always like to make it a little bit of a spin where it's like, yes, what is your favorite race class combo? Why is it that? But like from a role playing perspective, what do you like to go gen- like what do you like to go towards and what do you like to stay away from? Understood. So. I don't know if this is entirely common or not, but I can genuinely say I don't have a favorite race class combination. Oh, I I genuinely don't. I've never heard say that. Really? Yes. Because I, I mean, okay, so I've played a couple different races, not all the ones that are possibilities. Um, Also, same with classes. So. I feel like as soon as, if I were to say like, oh, I love human wizards, which is the character Mm -hmm. I had the longest, the most experience with, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just asking for my next character to just completely blow me out of the water and be like, I regret saying that because now this one's my favorite. Yeah, I hear that. It's me being a little uh, uh, kind of flippant about it and I'll go from one to another. Um, But yeah, I don't have a favorite, to be perfectly honest. 
All right, folks. Well, you heard it here the first time. Someone's saying that they don't have a favorite. That's that's pretty because I will not. I'm not gonna lie. Favorite race, I would say Dwarf or Dragonborn. I don't know why. I just I just really like it. I think when we played, when I played the half elf, um, Mm -hmm. that was my second time playing a half elf. Like, and I and it's just mostly because. I either if I stick with a with a character that's kind of like out of my comfort zone, ironically, I tend to play them for a longer time. So mm-hmm. my first half elf, he, you know, he was a diff. He lasted about a year in our campaign, and then it fizzled out, unfortunately. Um, but then the second time, like I said, I mean, it's I I but I I will definitely admit I have. You know, my favorite class is either Paladin or Barbarian, like very melee-centered or tank-centered. Um, but it also, you know, I don't know, um, which may, you know, maybe, I don't know how you played in, like, WoW. Like, I was always, the I was always, like, a tank when I played <laughs> WoW with my friends. So, like, I think it just translated to, <laughs> to Dungeons & Dragons world. So, um, like, that's just me, though. That's that. That's just me. And and folks out there listening, you don't have to have a favorite. I mean, you can always have a favorite class and and race and combo and all that good stuff. But I think um, for those and actually, Bree, how would you tell someone like me who is <laughs> kind of stuck in the uh, favorite race class combo? Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like me to break out of that? Ooh, goodness. Um, I. Th- think I would probably encourage you much like with our one shot that we did for the meat grinder is try out something different in a one shot you don't have to commit to that character long term just do something for the heck of it if you don't like it at the end of you know four or five hours then hey you say you tried but you never know one of the one shots that I did for virtual Gary con um actually has presented a character that I want to play like again and again so I yeah, I, uh, goodness, one that we did, a, like, a create-your-own-adventure one-shot, uh, uh, Chris Solo handled for the Fabled 42 channel, and the chat actually decided our characters for us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. So I got a tabaxi, uh, grave domain cleric named Tizzy. They even chose her name, and I love that character. I had never expected I would like to play a cleric as much as I did. But it kind of gave me a good balance of the casting that I really enjoy magic-wise and then kind of that in-your-face being able to take a hit at the same time. So, Yeah, I think the Grave Domain, I actually played that in a Curse of Strahd campaign when it was Unearthed Arcana. So, well, I think what's it's like that sense dead presence or what or sense it's that first level like channel divinity where you get to sense the presence of like undead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very broken in the uh, in the Unearth Arcana. And for folks listening, Unearth, if you're not familiar with Unearth Arcana, Unearth Arcana is basically the Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons way of playtesting things and having the public playtest it and submit surveys on how that class is working. And really just gives you one something really cool and something really broken to play with. And two, it gives you a way to actually like help the Dungeons and Dragons community out. So, needless to say, the Grave Domain cleric, like I was, I was not. No one should be able to spot and see where Strahd is in the first session. <laughs> and with this domain, I was able to spot where he, you know, where Strahd was. And I mean, it was really cool. It kind of messed up the, the the flow of the module, but it's i mean it is what it is you know you're you you can't give me something shiny and expect me not to touch it you know like it i that's where i see i okay going back to the whole favorite racing class thing (laughs) sorry i'm totally a dwarf like you know (laughs) give me something shiny i'm gonna collect it and think it's gold just saying just saying (laughs) but um anyway um with all that being said I know, you know, we've talked about a lot of, you know, role playing and that's something where you and I and a lot of the folks from the D&D coalition um, have spoken about before. And what is your take on role play? Like, how should one approach role play if they've never really tried it before? I think 
everyone gets stuck on the idea that it's fancy, fun accents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how would you tell someone really what role play is in Dungeons and Dragons? Understood. Well, I would definitely start out by how you mentioned people almost thinking it's always the fancy accents, different voices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that. Um, that's something that I kind of wish I would have accepted sooner as a player because, okay, so your voices that you were able to do during our meat grinder one shot were awesome. Like I loved them. They were great. Um, and I play with a lot of players who are very, also very gifted in that way. I don't know how to do many accents. That's something that I kind of got caught, got caught up on with Uh RP and that's, I think it kind of hindered me a bit because it made me afraid to speak up. Uh, Truth be told, I think I did finally opened up as an RPer when, and I know this sounds really silly, but quite literally, I was thinking about a character that inspired me in some way. That, that existed in, in some sort of form, whether it be in a video game, a book, a movie I'd seen. And I remember lines that they would say. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't you know, quote it verbatim, but I would say, oh, what's this person going to say? And I'd take bits and pieces of these characters I liked that kind of melded into the character I had so it wasn't completely like fashioning it after someone but finding a balance that worked well for me personally well some of the best creators actually you know I I know Matt Colville has said this in many videos Um, he specifically said that a lot of great creators borrow aspects from other areas and essentially expand on it and I think that's something, and you know, first and foremost, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it uh, on the voices and whatnot. I, I was actually, that was my first time I played D&D for a live audience on Twitch and, and really in that setting. So I was not going to lie, I was nervous. And I was like, well, you know what? I'd rather them, I'm, you know, I want to make this kind of like what you said you know you have this idea for a character and then you say well i kind of want to do this with this character i kind of want to have fun and and pull ideas from this um you know other aspect or genre or something that maybe inspired you in the past and the voice actually so this so for y'all um listening it was actually one of the the main voice that i kind of really worked on was Beleg's, uh, he was the half-elf bard, um, but he talked like this, he was a very smooth man, um, and actually that was coming from, um, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he is in the Mighty Nine, in the second campaign with the Mighty Nine for Critical Role, he was the cleric, um, that <gasps> first, Shakasta. yes, yes, but, yeah, I, I fell in love with that voice, and I fell in love, you know, honestly, the actor, he, if, if you know, for folks who uh, may or may not know, fun fact of the day, he was on The Walking Dead. He plays the king of, in, in that, in that uh, area, but then, you know, he goes from a very Victorian, or not even Victorian, very Shakespearean um, way of speaking, and then when I, there's a specific scene where he meets um, one of the main cast members, one of the main characters of The Walking Dead of the party, of Rick's party, and he goes to that kind of like, man, I, you know, I, I was actually a zookeeper, and in the weekends I would, you know, do this, and I was like, holy crap, that's so cool. So that's actually my inspiration, but I was hella nervous about that. <laughs> voice and doing all that but kind of like what you said you just you just pull from like areas that inspire you and then you go you kind of build upon from there so i really i really agree with you on that one i i would give you a a high five but obviously this is a an audio <laughs> podcast so we can't high five one another but um it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> there you go we can just do virtual high fives but you know one thing with role play and I'm, and I'm speaking about Critical Role, they're great, obviously, like they're actors, they're professionals and whatnot. Do you think that Critical Role and Acquisitions Incorporated, all these bigger live stream, um, 
you know, I've heard many people say, well, I can't role play like that. I can't even run a game like that. What do you think about that? What do you say to that? I feel I feel like it's in the middle, right? I feel like there's good and bad to that. But what do you think about that? Oh, definitely. It's always the Matt Mercer or critical role effect that I hear about all the time. And I can say, like, I understand the trepidation that people have with, you know, thinking this is a very, you know, uh, high quality production, but it's just that it's a production. Yeah. Um, it's it makes no sense to compare your games to their games. And that doesn't mean you're playing incorrectly, but you're playing how you should be playing. 100%. If you're enjoying it, having fun, then you're doing it right. One hundred percent. And quite honestly, like, you know, people might not like the game that, you know, your DM, how they DM. Um, it just might not happen. There's other people that might not like the way Matt Mercer DMs. No offense to Matt Mercer. He's great. Shout out to Matt Mercer, just saying. But, <laughs> you know, it that's just, it's just a different uh, style. You also have to understand that those folks have been playing together for years. Mm-hmm. And I th- and you know this from your campaign, which folks, like I said, you know, um, y- you know, sh- you can actually find uh, Brie on Twitch on Fable 42's Yukador uh, campaigns, Yukador Origins specifically, and you all have a very tight knit community. You have a very tight. Um, you can tell that the cast, or as you know, not only as a cast, but as players first, you've been playing together for a while. You can see, you can feel that almost. And, and that's definitely a oh, benefit. Go for it. Oh, but yeah, definitely a benefit. Um, and I think that, especially with like like you're saying, Critical Role's cast. Uh, if we're talking about like anyone who's been doing a long-term stream, they it's un, it's unrealistic to expect your group first off to be just starting out and being at that level because you're just starting out. Preach, preach. Like it, it's one of those things that I think, I think a lot of times within the D&D community, and that's something that I don't, you know, and I guess that'll be my next question about what your D&D community is like in your local area. But here, and I think in most D&D communities too, we hold ourselves to such a high standard, um, which is kind of, I mean, it's a great thing, right? It's great, but don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't, you know, I've, I I don't think that I create things, you know, I, I, I classify myself as someone who's a world builder and someone at, who, you know, who is um, more on the media side. I really, I personally enjoy more of the lore and the world building when it comes to D&D, and I enjoy, you know, that media production, so to speak, but... I'm not at the level of like Matt Mercer and Matt Colville and I don't want to be, I want to just be me. But I think that takes, you know, just time to say, Hey, well, you know what? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Brian, I'm the bearded nerd and I like to play this way. Just like, you know, whoever in the community, I think in my community specifically, we see that, but again, this the, the I love the South, you know, born I will born and raised in Florida, but, you know, moved to the South uh, to the Carolinas later and, you know, for most of my life. But one thing that I noticed is that culturally, like community here is different, like gaming is different. It is more like no one really cares about the stuff that's going like, yes, we see we we view critical or we do all that stuff. And I'm not speaking for the, I'm not like the southern gaming representative or anything like that but i do notice that when i've talked to folks at conventions it's like oh yeah critical role is cool or acquisitions incorporated is cool but you know what i actually like my game better you know you get that more that response a little bit more than anything else but what's the D community like in your area if you don't so, mind me oh i don't mind at all um I so bear in mind, I live in a small town in southern Oregon. So we are very much still in our, I would say, our fledgling stage in terms of our community out here. Um, I know plenty of people who play D&D uh, and I play with quite a few people as well. 
but uh, it still not hasn't really permeated our area, if that makes sense. But there's definitely a movement that's been going on. Of course, prior to um, everything that's going on right now, businesses having to be closed yeah. at certain, you know, for certain reasons. Um, our local, our friendly local game store, Iguana Comics, was running, um, hey, you're new to D&D? Come down here on a Sunday from noon to two. We'll give you a crash course mm-hmm. and do a one-shot. Um, even a brewery, local vice brewery, Vice Brewing, uh, was doing D&D nights Shout at their location. Just saying. That's pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. I had yet to attend one because my dang work schedule is not helping me right now with that. So... G. New stage, but fingers well, crossed once everything settles down, I'm hoping that, you know, it'll grow a bit more in our area. That's really refreshing to hear. I, you know, so where I live, you know, I live in, the, I live in North Carolina and um, specifically, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, we, the, the community, funny enough, it's growing exponentially because, my gosh, I mean... 20 years ago, I really didn't know if there, you know, what stores were around here. I mean, and then 10 years ago, I was like, hmm, like, there's some stores popping up, you know, comic book shops first. That was the biggest thing, like comic book shops, uh, heroes aren't hard to find. Shout out to them. Um, They were the first and really the biggest and they are still the biggest comic book shop in Charlotte and probably in North Carolina as a whole to the point where they have the heroes convention comic book convention is fantastic but the gaming community would kind of stick to themselves like it was like okay like you know there was like someone selling some D stuff but never really anyone out there like saying hey this is a gaming convention yes there's mace con which again shout out to mace con for all the cool stuff that they do but um and and MaceCon is growing. That's one thing that I personally love about my local convention is that yeah, Heroes Con brings in people like Stan Lee. So the obvious, I mean, hopefully the audience knows Stan Lee. Um, he's one of my per. He was well, he still is one of my personal heroes. I mean, um, just the the love of life that he had and the way that and I think this translates into D and D as well. He loved the hobby of comic books so much. You know, he oozed it. And he that was he was living his passion. He was living his dream. And with Dungeons and Dragons, again, Mace Con and for tabletop gaming, Mace Con is like the big con um, in, in the Carolinas. Um, yeah, we have Dragon Con in Atlanta, but first and foremost, it's so big that it doesn't feel like every time I go to MaceCon, I meet up with people who, um, people that I've met at MaceCon, and we do a, a yearly game. We act, we set a tradition. Actually, ironically enough, um, well, hopefully it will happen this year. But we we have a kind of like a one shot campaign that's coming up, and you know whenever MaceCon comes up. And we just all play together. And it's just really cool to have that strong community. But now in Charlotte, um, there's about seven different game stores in our area. So tabletop, comic book, and, you know, again, there's like Magic the Gathering and there's all the other different stuff in the game store. But still, you know, seven, that's pretty big, at least in my opinion. That's pretty cool. That's gigantic, my area <laughs> well i think also the fact that after you know after the satanic panic people started to see well wait a minute this isn't actually something that's bad like this is you know the people grew the kids that were affected grew up they became adults and when their kids were interested they were like nope go for it kind of like how your parents you know you know when we were talking earlier how your parents were very encouraging about um, playing World of Warcraft and playing and expressing yourself in that creative way. Um, you know, thank, you know, thank God. Sh- hey, shout out to all those cool parents. Like, you know, that's something that I think we need in the community a little bit more. And I think we, our generation's going to be that generation that says, hey, you know what? Let me, you know, let me actually run you through a, your first D&D session and get you involved in that way. 
at least that's how I see the future of D&D. Like, it's going to be, I mean, if we think D&D is big now, I think five, ten years from now, it's going to be at the level where people, I mean, people are streaming now. Again, you know, you're part of a streaming uh, group, and I think that streaming is almost going to take over in the sense of entertainment. That's just me, though. I I, I have these wild uh, predictions, and for the most part, I've, you know, I just, I've seen how things happen, and maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic. I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather have, like, my phone blowing up for Twitch notifications saying that, you know, XZ or XYZ, you know, channels are playing their stream because, hey, I get to do stuff during my week instead of watching, you know, some movie or TV, I can watch my streams. Um, <laughs> but that's just me personally. And actually, that leads to my next question. Like for folks out there who are curious about, you know, D&D and, and they see it, they, you know, they see D&D on a stream, right? But they're curious about playing because maybe they've never played, but they really like the live streams that people do. What would you tell someone who's interested um, in playing Dungeons and Dragons right now? Oh, goodness. Well, okay. First thing I would say is that's awesome. I'm so glad you're interested because there's so much you can do with this. Endless opportunities for creativity. Um, And if you're lucky enough to live in an area that has a friendly local game store that has, uh, you know, D&D content there, stop by, ask someone about it. They might, it might be a location where, like mine, they do introductory, you know, one shots for it. Um, if you're in like maybe even a bit more of a rural, uh, maybe not most accepting community, then mm-hmm. social media, I highly recommend. I mean, I know that's how you and I have connected. That's how I've connected with a ton of other people within the community. Um, and I would say like, I understand sometimes there's some toxicity with the internet, but overall our communities, for the most part, incredibly welcoming. And there's so many resources available and people and creatives that can really help walk you through the process. I like how you said, I like how you talked about, yeah, there, let's be honest. The internet is full of people who are insecure and they, they take out their insecurity in a way that is just not pleasant. You know, they're, they're very, and and you know what I, I've learned uh, through my time on the internet I think you and I can both say that we were around a time where the internet didn't exist. <laughs> so, um, and I can't wait to tell my kids that because they'll think I'm like a fossil or something. But, <laughs> you know, there was a time before the internet. And one of the cool things was that the internet brought, yeah, it brings out some some bad people or insecure people, but it really brings out a lot of good in people. And I think the D&D community, you, you, you were spot on in saying this, and you've said it multiple times before, too, in conversations that we've had in the D&D Coalition page, is that, like, we're one of the most supportive groups out there, mm-hmm. I think, by far. I think, I think I would say that we, at least in the sense of, like, all the nerddom, like, in, in all of nerddom, we're probably one of the most supportive um groups out there that's just me that's my opinion i don't know what you think about that but i think we are i can agree with you on that pretty wholeheartedly i mean there's been different fandoms i've tried to get in like the communities of mm. that were very gatekeepy in a sense and i'm not saying that D is you know absolutely free of that because unfortunately there still are people who are like that For it's sure. going to be like forever um but i feel like there's been a lot of work it's very intentional for a lot of people to make sure that it is as open and as welcoming as it possibly can be because we've been on the receiving end of gatekeeping previously. So it's not for lack of trying. It's definitely a, an effort by a lot of people to keep it welcoming. So hopefully people see that and they take advantage of it and aren't afraid to step in. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. And I think, I, I mean, you're spot on in that regard and, you know, with people trying to get into D and D, you you know you mentioned about your local game store and whatnot. And obviously, at this point in time, like we're kind of restricted with where to go and what to do. But we have the internet, 
we still can reach out, you know, for folks out there who are still who might be thinking, well, wait a minute, like <laughs> I'm at a shelter at home. I can't go anywhere. Yeah. You, you know, check out Facebook. I don't know about you, but Facebook has been a great source for um, getting in contact with local game stores and saying, hey, are you are, are you all open? Would you allow me to, you know, maybe post a game, right? Post and say, hey, I'm going to run a virtual game or I want to be a part of a virtual game. If anyone's interested, I would love to host it. You know, I'll host the Skype or Discord or D&D Beyond or whatever you choose. Um, I think that would be a great way to kind of meet in the middle um, and to and to kind of like still reach out and still. And again, just like you said, Brie, like, you know, just not be afraid to reach out because we're you know, we, we don't at least a lot of us in in the community don't gatekeep. There's some people it's, it's going to happen, but a lot of us don't gate. I mean, heck, you can even mess You could probably message anyone like in the D&D community on Instagram right now, and they would respond saying, hey, you know what? You live in my area. Let me set you up with this person and go mm-hmm. from there. You'd probably, people would be surprised as how friendly we are. <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, maybe it's, oh, who did I hear say that? Okay, so Deborah Ann Wall, at one point in an interview, said, I'm a D&D pusher. <laughs> and I completely agree with her. I feel like a lot of us are like that. So if yeah. someone's going to reach out to me and say, I'm interested, I'm probably going to be a little bit too excited and be like, yes, I'm so glad you're interested. I have to reel it in. So I hear that. It, and it's worse when it's at work because they know you like they know they know me at work as like Brian, you know, and they know that I love d and I actually uh, shared with them a, a really spicy meme that one of my players made of me that they f- <laughs> I will share it on uh, Instagram just to let y'all know which one I'm talking about. But it's quite fantastic. And I was very much a, listen, y'all, I love D&D. I can't help it. This is just something. And now people, now they're interested in playing because we're all kind of shelter at home. And this D&D is a great way to bond. Um, I don't know. I'm Bri, I don't know about your experiences, but I think that D&D is actually very therapeutic, especially during times like this. Oh, definitely. Um, I have used, especially with times like this, like you've said, but long term, I have used D&D kind of as an outlet, uh, both creatively, but also in terms of a place that helps me process things that are going on. Um, So, I mean, obviously, I do have to say it's in no way a replacement for therapy or professional help, anything like that. But I feel like there is very much a therapeutic effect. 100% and yeah yeah just as a disclaimer and to put it out there like you know I'll always seek professional help whatever situation it is um but a lot of times too like D&D is a positive outlet that that might even be better to say it is D&D is therapeutic in the regards that it's a positive outlet for you to express yourself in a safe environment exactly and, you know, with that being said, like, what do you want to see more from the D&D community or the gaming community as a whole? Like, is there one thing that you would want to see more of or see, you know, like if you could, I mean, obviously you could say how, you know, if you have a whole list of it, go for it. But what would you want to see from the gaming community? Uh, personally, I, especially with how everything is, a lot of people having to stay at home for everything going on. I would love to see more people embracing streaming, Um, whether it be even just for like one shot options uh, to introduce people who maybe aren't used to streaming into it. Um, I, I, from experience, I went on uh, just kind of as a guest almost on the uh, Origins of Ugador campaign and that kind of progressed into something long term for me. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but I'd like to see more more streaming, I guess, okay. <laughs> and also because I would like to watch more streaming, <laughs> but um, especially embracing maybe people who are newer to okay. it. So like not necessarily more established streams, but more more new people, I guess. So you're so basically, um, folks should go watch Origins of Bukador right now. Oh yes, please do. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's what I thought. So y'all, yeah, yeah, folks, you got to go watch that. Um, but. <laughs> So, and speaking about streaming, what's your favorite part about streaming? I, I, like I said, the first time I streamed with y'all was like my first time streaming. 
in general. So what's your favorite part about streaming? Well, first of all, you did really well. Again, you did so good for your first time. I didn't realize that was your first time until you said it today. Yeah, thank you. I was actually very nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say I think my favorite part is the fact that in... um, so I'm actually in a couple of different streaming groups altogether, but for like Fabled 42 is the channel that hosts three of those groups. And the people I game with are based all across the US. Um, and I'm even in a stream currently that has someone who's based in Austria. So people that I wouldn't normally have the chance of being able to meet up with in person, I now have that opportunity to do so because of streaming and because of the virtual options that we have. Nice. And and that's a, and that's again that's that is what's so cool about D and D right now in 2020 is the fact that we can play with people across the world and it's just mm-hmm. and it's and it's not a big deal for us it's not odd for us to do that um, at least that that's what I think again I'm I'm a new streamer I, I've actually I'm thinking about and for the folks that listen to this if you agree. Uh, comment below and, and let me know, but I'm going to start streaming my my DM prep. I think that, that a lot of people, I, you know, I talk a lot about DM prep and I talk about world building a lot, but I really want to show people what I mean, because as you can probably tell, I talk a lot. So, <laughs> you know, I'd rather talk and show people what I'm doing. So that actually, you know, I think streaming as well, I at least interpret streaming as if you don't feel comfortable, you know, having a one shot or doing something like that, whatever your talents are, stream it, like go for it. If you love to paint minis, stream that, like show, show people, because I'm not going to lie. I'm the type of person that I will. And that actually, this was kind of the idea about the podcast was I wanted to create a way for me to hang out and talk to my friends, you know, my nerd friends, like, and people can watch or they can watch it, they can listen to it, whatever avenue that you choose, you can do it while you're doing other things. Like personally, I would love to see people paint minis because as most of you know, I have a really, really bad obsession with miniatures, um, any type, D&D, Pathfinder, it could be for any other tabletop game. But my goal is to have just a room dedicated to all my miniatures. My wife, God bless her, I love her to death because she supports <laughs> me in that. Obviously, with you know, there has to be some logic and some sanity in it. But yeah, I would watch people paint minis. Like I would watch people crack open minis. Like if you like that type of stuff and and breathe, let me like you know uh, chime in on this too. Like okay. you should stream it. You should stream everything. I completely agree with you 100%. I am not good at painting minis. I admire people who are good at painting minis. So I I would like to watch that personally. Um, Also, DM prep, like you've mentioned, I really enjoy sitting down and actually watching or listening to people who like are going live on Instagram, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I'm just looking through this. I'm doing some prep. Here's my process. Because I like as as a DM getting to see someone else's process because you may be approaching something from a different way that makes more sense to me than my current, uh, my current process does. Mm. You know, you said something about borrowing. So it's definitely going hand in hand with that. <laughs> yeah, no, borrowing is definitely something that I highly, highly encourage people to do that. You know, don't think that you have to create something out of like thin air. I mean, don't try to be George R. R. Martin or, you know, jk rowling or you know every you know whoever your favorite authors are or whoever your favorite world builders are don't don't try to be them be you um but yeah no actually that got me thinking i might have to start streaming my dm prep see you see folks this is what the DD community is about inspiring others and helping others get in and you know coming out of their comfort zones try something else new so if you if you don't play DD, this is why you should play just saying um <laughs> But folks, you know, I, we're we're almost at the end of time here, so I really want, you know, a couple, you know, one couple of last questions here is first and foremost, where can folks find you if you know, um, if they want to start following you and seeing what you're doing in the D and D community, where can people find you? Perfect. Well, I am most active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Brianna Flame. It's my name, so it's 
pretty easy to remember for myself. But um, I mainly do a lot of uh, what I refer to as tabletop uh, role-playing photography. So it's not just D&D. There's also, um, goodness, like miniatures that are featured, dice, quite a bit of dice. I really like dice. <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of like different, you know, props or other uh, items that I have for games are featured okay. on that play. So is it only D&D stuff or is it mainly D&D with other tabletop features? Mainly D&D with other tabletop features. Awesome. Um, D&D is my primary thing, but um, you can scroll back through that. You might see something for a video game I just got because I was really excited about Gears of War coming out. So stuff like that will be featured every now and again on it, but I will say it's heavily D&D. Okay. And then where else can people find you at? Perfect. Um, well, I am also streaming often on the uh, Origins of Ukador, as well as Adventures in Middle-Earth and Fables of Ukador. Uh, these can all be found on the Fabled 42 Twitch channel. And as well as one more stream I'm active on is the Vorpal Board River Break stream. So Vorpal Board has their own Twitch channel as well. Nice. Uh, do you, uh, what, times does, um, when, what times do your streams come out? All right, so the most frequent one is on Mondays, which is the Origins of Ukador campaign. That starts at uh, from 5 p.m., or sorry, 5.30 Pacific Standard Time to 8.30. Um, Adventures in Middle-Earth and Fables of Ukador are one Sunday a month. Um, truth be told, I can't quite remember what Sundays they're on right now, so I would definitely recommend following the Fabled 42 Instagram and Twitch just so you can see the schedules for those. Well, in, in your defense and in everyone's defense, uh, you know, days right now are just, it's, it is what it is. You know, you just, eh, you can't really, <laughs> I can't tell what, <laughs> what day today is. So we'll see about that. But anyway, folks, we, I appreciate, um, well, first and foremost, I appreciate you Bree, uh, for being on the podcast and being on the show. Uh, I appreciate y'all in the audience listening, and I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast First and foremost, go follow Bree on Instagram. Go watch her on uh, Twitch. Uh, that is Fabled42 uh, channel. Please go follow. Um, please um, subscribe to not only uh, the podcast but to the show, and you're going to really enjoy the show. As someone, I've, I've seen it before. I really like it. I really – I honestly love the group dynamic and how the world is being built. And as someone who really, really, really enjoys world building, that is that is one of the great shows right now that has fantastic lore and fantastic world building. So please, please, please do me a favor and go check it out. But again, folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great day. And as always, keep gaming.